Monday of game week, it's just different. It hits different. It feels different. It's uh, something that has been in my blood my whole life. So when you listen to Red Dirt music, it's like that last Rebel sound to me. It is a combination of uh, Southern rock and jazz and uh, bluegrass. And, the, the and for Skip Bayless to come out and say, I don't feel bad for him and kind of belittle him and say, how dare you? How dare you as the leader of America's team show weakness? Honestly, I want to say what I want to say. This is the Sam Mays Podcast. Welcome, I'm Sam Mays, and today we're talking to Rufus Alexander, former Oklahoma All-American linebacker and friend of mine. Rufus, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. Sitting here watching the recap of this OU football game again. Guess I'm a glutton for punishment. I, uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. You know, covering Oklahoma over the last five years, it's hard not to get uh, invested in more than just, uh, you know, this is my job type of way. Obviously, I went to Oklahoma State, but to cover uh, one of the perennial powerhouses in college football history has been a ton of fun for me. I've been to four semifinal games and covered two Heisman Trophy winners. I've done more in my short radio career than most have done uh, in you know careers that are twice or three times as long as mine. So I'm very fortunate and lucky and excited to be a part of you know Sooner Football and, and the Sooner Sports Network and everything we do with the franchise. And um, you know, so when they lose a game like this. It jeopardizes you going to another thing, yeah. college football I mean, playoff. Yeah, Especially is, in the COVID days, you get to be the first one in the pandemic to go to a, uh, I guess, to a college football playoffs and how this weird thing's going to shake up. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's you, you want to see them do the best. You want to be able to uh, cover uh, your team into a, a national championship. You know, it's, it's a ton of fun, but obviously it's big time for my career also. So I'm frustrated as sure as you are, you know, obviously being a former player, with watching them go out in game number two of the season when they really didn't show a whole lot of uh, issues in game one. Granted, the opponent wasn't necessarily one that was going to challenge them, but, man, to see them kind of, I mean, essentially collapse Rufus in the in the second half is was a little bit alarming, right? Yeah, it was a little bit alarming. I mean, it, and not just the, the players collapsed. It was the coaches that collapsed, all, collapsed also. I mean, you had a, a collapse on both ends of it. I mean, defensively, um, you, you saw K-State adjust to things that – Alex Grinch was doing and then he didn't adjust to what K-State was doing um, as well as Lincoln Riley I mean defensively K-State adjusted to what they were doing and then Lincoln Riley didn't adjust to what they were doing I mean he had a young offensive line a young quarterback and they flustered both of them and he put a lot on his shoulders but they didn't have a run game that really uh, could take some of the pressure off of them and I don't I, it's not to even say that the offensive lineman struggled I think the running back experience is also what affected the whole thing as well they didn't they didn't do things that you figured that they would do from a talent uh, perspective of OU um, not making K-State miss in the hole don't have a running back that can get that big explosive play for for 40 50 yards that they've been so accustomed to so that's a that's one of those things that you struggle with when you can't do that on the ground let's take a second and 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 go back and talk about what our expectations were coming into the season. I said two years ago that I thought the 2021 season was going to be a national championship contending season uh, for the University of Oklahoma. 
this is the season before. Spencer Rattler is a redshirt freshman. The offensive line has got some younger players, but as you look at this roster, you would expect uh, some of the kids that are going to emerge this season to really be top 10, top 5 type play- position players uh, going into next year and really would give this team a, a look of you know what you're seeing in Bama, what you're seeing in Clemson, what you're seeing in Ohio State. They're just a year or two away from getting there. So my expectations were then for them to – you know, to win a Big 12 because they always win the Big 12 and to potentially get back to a semifinal game. And to do that during the COVID era, that means undefeated. So now they're not undefeated. It looks like a semifinal game is not going to be possible. But I think from a, from an expectation next season, Rufus, I don't, I don't know that I've lost the faith that this is the team that in the next year or two will be a national championship contender. I still, I'm not going to say that they're out of it because there's a lot of football left to be played. I mean, you look, LSU just lost to uh, Mississippi State, and Mississippi State hadn't been Mike Leach now hadn't been great, but Mike Leach put up 600 yards on an LSU defense that has Crazy. a ton of talent out there. And what he did was he spread them all out. He's seen who was blitzing, who wasn't blitzing, who's coming up, and everything. And they picking off guys when they're in man to man and different things like that. And so you watch uh, Mike Leach has some success out there in the SEC in his first game against LSU, and and it's a COVID year. So, again, Mike's, Mike Leach is going to come out with the same offense every time, and he's going to be fast and quick in what he does, and he's going to make you read stuff. And his quarterback's going to be better at reading than you are reading your, uh, with the defense that comes for it. So you got to look for what happens in the SEC. Um, I, I think guys are going to drop games that they're not supposed to drop throughout the country because of you don't have, I think, not being able to take advantage of your facilities, which OU has a ton of have great facilities. I mean, that's workout facilities, nutrition, all that stuff. Not being able to take advantage of that. That that brings them down a level to other schools that don't have the greatest of facility, facilities like an LSU right. or an Alabama and all that stuff because of the COVID keeps them away. So now kids are having to be trained and take care of themselves, which they've been taken care of for a long for whenever they step foot on campus. They are mean hand spoon, spoon fed. They're given their books. You go to a library, they hand your books to you. They give you all the clothes you're going to wear. They right. give you all the food you're going to eat. They tell you what time to get up to go to workout. They tell you, I mean, all this stuff is now it's all chaotic. So you got to understand you're in the minds of young 18, 19 year old uh, young men. And then you have the the racial thing that goes on uh, as well. Um, so so kids are, are 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 voicing their opinions on what's going out, what's going on in the world racially. Um, OU had to do a walk. They did a walkout. Guys protested practice. It's a lot that's going on Absolutely. in college There's football. Right. Period. And I understand the slow start from OSU as well. I mean, right. OSU had a slow start whenever they came out with Tulsa. I mean, it's just. So much was going on with OSU. I mean, you had the coach. You don't even you didn't even know Coach Gundy was going to make it to the year. Right. Yeah. No. I'm glad you mentioned all, all those things because that that is really kind of where uh, we we've got to start here. And I think as a as a player, it's easy to ignore um, the you want to call it static almost because we're taught to just focus. Like people want to hear one thing when you talk about big time college football in the NFL. It's that your focus is 110 percent on the sport. Period. That's all they care about. So coming into it, you know, even though I was talking about COVID-19 and preparation and how it was going to be difficult and all those things, you don't necessarily know what that's going to look like until you see 
Kansas State lose to Arkansas State, and Oklahoma State looked like they did against Tulsa. And Oklahoma, who had a successful campaign in game number one against Missouri State, but due to lack of competition and lack of of, uh, of, a, of a next game, you know, that bye week, you feel like they almost were just treading water and not necessarily aware of maybe some of the deficiencies they were going to see uh, I mean, in this game against What deficiencies would you think of when you play, play against Missouri State? You're like, oh, it's all good. I'm good to go. Right. Um, you, you play – if you play against – if you have your regular off-season camp, you go through – you have guys that get stronger in the summer, which I don't – I mean, guys – some guys look good, but I don't – I mean – but how strong are they? How in, how much endurance do they have strength wise, without maximizing themselves within a within a controlled setting and, right. and learning like what weight we're going to put on? We're going to take this weight off, and I mean they got this whole nutrition thing down to a science. The weight workouts down to a science, and then you handcuff a guy and say, "Well, you got to go work out at a gym by, by yourself, yourself, right? Without your strength and conditioning coach, right?" And, I, and you're probably going to see those guys along the offensive line, which we'll get back to right here, uh, and defensive front really probably be impacted the most by this, right? I mean, the difference between Sam Mays as a redshirt freshman and Sam Mays as a redshirt sophomore, uh, night and day physically. I mean, yeah. that, that was the year for me that I really uh, just kind of bulked up and gained a bunch of that grown man strength that a lot of these kids are always looking for. Now, look, Oklahoma's offensive line as, uh, as not – um, I don't want it, it's not it's not bad it's just not what we've necessarily seen over the last several years and over the last several years they've had a bunch of NFL players play on this offensive line and you would think they got a few of them playing on this one right now um, you know I would say that that what you said to start the podcast as far as the offensive line and running backs both being uh, a little bit responsible for what was going on in the run game is accurate because as much as good as Creed Humphreys is you know, this first interception from Spencer Rattler, that, this is on Creed, right? I mean, you got to get that guy's hands down, and you can't give ground the way that he was giving. And I would really kind of question his overall health in general because he just doesn't look as dynamic as a player as he did in the year before. And then the, the guards on th- that are flanking him, you know, you, you love their size. You love their athletic ability. When they get to the second level, those guys absolutely can clear house. The problem is they're just lacking a little bit of confidence, and I think that is also something that's very, very easy to see as far as the way that they're getting out and playing right now. So it's a, it's a, it's an offensive line without confidence, and it's a running back room that's relatively young, right? T.J. Pledger is uh, the 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 feature back here, you would think, but you got to love the young kid in uh, McGowan, McGowan, and the way that he's playing right now. But still, these guys aren't as technically sound as you would like to see. And it's really starting to impact the way that they're running the football and probably the thing that they've got to fix first in order for Lincoln Riley and crew to have a ton of success. Yeah, and a lot of it, too, you look at their um, – when you're talking about Creed, I mean, sometimes, I mean, Hayes as well got to become a bully out there, Absolutely. too, as a guard. you I mean, when you're blocking somebody, you have a chance to clean up some guys. And he doesn't clean up, he doesn't clean up a lot whenever he has the opportunity to. And that's something that has to get fixed. Also, if if you if you can see out of your peripheral, I mean, I, as a linebacker, if I can see from tackle to tackle, and I expanded my vision as a player, he has to get to a point where he's expanding his vision as a player and seeing, well, the end is very wide. Well, Absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and annihilate this guy because it's it clears the vision for Spencer Rattler. Agreed. 
And a lot of times he's indecisive in when he's going to go and help and when he's going to do something. If he becomes more decisive and then Creed knows right now, well, I have this guy by myself, he can do something. And that one play where where you see, even though it was Creed's fault, that one play where you see um, he gives up that he that you get the tip pass, mm-hmm. you saw him. Hayes was with him. Absolutely. And then he disappears and the guy gets up in the air late. Like, <laughs> you know, it's right. kind of hard to deal with if You know what I'm saying? If he knows, well, I'm by myself, I'm going to just turn him right now so I can keep his hands down. But if you if you got, if you expecting a guy, he's with you, y'all working together, and then all of a sudden he disappears, and now you're just with this guy by yourself. Right. It becomes a little – it's a little different in, in how you work things. For sure. You know, I think – and I mean, I'm, I mean, you're an offensive lineman, so you no, know. No, you're you're 100% accurate. And and the thing is, if Creed is calling the defense, so for Hayes to leave him in that scenario where this first interception happened, that w- he would have to be leaving for a reason. And what you're describing is he didn't leave he, for a reason. No reason. Like he, he just, you know, Creed had his guy, and, and Hayes just kind of gets off in space. And I don't know why he would give up that opportunity to just be dominant. You know, those are those those dream matchups that you just love. Uh, as an offensive lineman, when you are double teaming a guy in pass protection, now you get to stick your face mask in his rib cage and drive him to the ground. Right? And those are the ones. Yes, yeah. Those are the plays that that last for four quarters. Those are the ones that really have an impact on you for the entire game. And and you just you watch them missed opportunities like that where the Cody Fords and Orlando Browns and they would those hurt guys, people. Yes, those dudes weren't missing those opportunities to clean house to really leave a, a lasting mark on the on the defensive line. They're going to make you think about jumping up in the air Absolutely. to block another pass. Yeah, because they're going to try to put their face mask in your I mean right in your gut in your ribs and right. I, I mean as far when we going to go down, one big guy going to go down on your side and it's going to hurt the rest of the game. Absolutely. Offensive line needs to improve. I think we know that. I think we understand that Bill Beatenbow is uh, you know one of the best in the country and I think between DeMarco Murray and Beatenbow uh, you would assume that the, the growth and development that we're going to see just in this week after such a you know a poor performance is going to be pretty intense. So I'm looking forward to watching them against Iowa State uh, for sure. You know, to, to kind of cap off the offense before we move to your specialty, the defense. Uh, I, I love this receiving core. I think they are talented. I think there's a lot of young, exciting, um, you know, very, very explosive players. I was disappointed to see them not get loose in this game, when you consider Kansas State comes in with a secondary that is literally not listed on their two deep, you would have thought this would have been a major advantage for Oklahoma here, but you almost wonder if they didn't take advantage of it just because they didn't trust the offensive line to what you mean? the pass protect. What you mean? K-State played it smart. I'm playing with two high safeties. It showed run all game long. All game, yeah. All game, they played with two high safety and brought a guy down every now and then, and they brought him down late. They said, if you come, you don't go to this open gap. We'll funnel everything to this gap. And that's where I said you you got to be able to run the ball. When somebody gives you too high safety, you have to be able to dominate them running the ball. And they didn't do that. And like I said, some of it was the offensive line, but I think 70% of it was the running back position. Wow. Because the running back position, you can't – a safety – if I cover up six people, you have to make the last person miss. Absolutely. I mean, every every great running back that's been at Oklahoma – has been able to make either that safety miss or punish him for a long period of time to where he gave up and didn't want any more of it. And we're not doing that. We don't have that we don't have that ability right now. Right. Yeah, it's uh you know, and once again, work in progress. Some of these guys are are trying to figure it out. There's a ton of growth and development from week 1 to week 2 and from mm-hmm. week 2 to week 3. We all understand uh, what this looks like, but you know, to to say the covid period doesn't necessarily make that a little 
less um, visible, you know, in, in the first two weeks. Maybe it's going to take that first three or four weeks to figure it out. But uh, I, I promise you everybody has their attention at this point and, and they're going to be working on getting that run game going because it is, that's Lincoln Riley's bread and butter, right? I mean, you're talking about a, uh, this guy wants to run it 55% of the time if he can. Even with Spencer Rattler's talent, as young as he is, you would think the running game would still be a focal point for uh, the head coach there at Oklahoma. Let's uh, let's switch sides. Look at the defense. Oh I, man, I, there's someone to do this to me. Sam. Let's let's talk about the Alex Grinch defense in in a in a broad way here, right? Let's talk about it just in general. There's some things that you and I. Um, being from the era that we played in, are not necessarily huge fans of. But we, you can't deny that what he did last year from going from the 120th ranked defense in the country to, uh, you know, in the top 30 is is pretty exceptional. This guy knows what he's doing, and there is a culture change happening in Norman. You know, no longer do I say to myself, are the Sooners going to show up or be engaged or excited to play football, right? I mean, those dudes show up. They are excited to get out there and play. They fly around the field, and we watched the first half where I thought they executed – relatively well right they I mean, did. yeah so I mean, then what the what the hell happened in the second half well i mean again like i said k-state adjusted i would have adju- i mean you look at what they were doing i mean you're blitzing all the time if we have two guys in the backfield we have one guy in the backfield you're blitzing so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna find out who's the blitzers and who i have to pick up and then i'm gonna attack off of that and that's what they did. They they found the mismatch, which was, which was the linebackers, and they went and they attacked the linebackers. And I mean, Coach Odom is an excellent coach; he does a great job. But at the at the point in time in the game where they put Meade out there, they they, they get the uh, the running back on the guy that they feel they like that matchup, and Meade busts busts the coverage and stuff. But you're single high against empty, so you know it's going to be a quick throw. It has to be a fast throw. So Meade expecting the ball to come out quick. They blitz kind of slow. And it didn't get there. So I think a lot of the moving and slanting also wears down the defense. Yeah. It tires them down. And you can see it towards the end of the game. I mean, you they're up, they're hype and all that stuff. And then you kind of see it gets a little flat. And they want to play fast. They want to play speedy. I get it. I understand. But whenever you're putting a lot of guys in and rotating a lot of guys in, uh, I mean, five-star, three-star, talent is talent. I mean, how good a guy is, I mean, it is. I mean, is it going to drop off or it's going to stay high? Absolutely. And if, I mean, you can't put another guy in that is uh, just like a Deshaun White. Right. You're not going to put another guy in that may be um, as good as Asamoa, right, or David Aguebu. I mean, I mean Aguebu as well. So, I mean, you look at the whole entire thing, it, it sounds cool for the speed D and all that stuff, and we're going to rotate a bunch of guys in, but talent goes up and down. Absolutely. As well when you do that. And, you know, I think that's probably one of the main issues that they've been addressing over the last several years is, you know, trying to rebuild an Oklahoma defense that was neglected. You know, so right now you're saying fake it till you make it. And that's what they're right. trying to do. And they couldn't fake it against K-State. No, I, I 100 uh, percent agree with that. And I think that, you know, from a from a personnel standpoint, the linebackers show promise the defensive front like you Perry on Winfrey's is a is a monster mm-hmm. um they, they've got some dudes and they're going to get you know a couple of guys back along that group to, to help them out here uh, after a few more games it just seems like what you're saying about the stemming and the stunting and all the slanting that they're doing you know for a talented offensive line especially one like Kansas State or what you're going to see against Iowa State please move all we're going to do is take we're going to trust each other we're going to take our zone steps and we know that you're going to slant and we're not surprised by it anymore yeah when you show up in that gap and put my hands on you. right like Oklahoma gives you the ability to it's like 
going into a game like this, you know, if I don't trust my technique, I will lose. So now, you know, if you're running just a 22 dive and it's a simple zone play to the right, as a guard, I know that if I don't open up my right hip and take a nice bucket step and that defensive end slants, he's going to hit my shoulder. The play's blown up. They've penetrated this game over. So because they slant so much, I'm never not doing those things. Like I have settled into just taking these big sweeping steps and waiting for it to come to me and letting it just develop. And it's the simplest, easiest thing to do. Now, if you, if you tell me I'm playing against a team that's going to slant or stem like that, you know, a third of the game, well, now I'm trying to anticipate it right now. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for subtleties in the way that they're lining up. And, you know, you know, the difference between lining up on a wide, uh, five technique or running in, lining up in a four eye for an offensive lineman, that's a night and day difference, right? Yeah, and now yeah. I'm looking for those subtleties. They, they, just, they just move all the time. and You almost feel like it's, it's lost its effectiveness because it is to be expected. Yeah, you, you can, like I said, you can fool somebody some of the time, but after a while, uh, they'll figure it out. Absolutely. Especially in uh, college. I mean, you have good college coaches on both sides. And you got talented people on both sides. I mean, kids will understand what they got to do, and they'll figure out how to how to get you. And I, I also think the slanting makes you a little soft in the run game too. Um, they can move you, and it, and it just kind of makes everything a little mushy and yeah, stuff. Yeah, your momentum every, takes and, you. Yeah, momentum takes you. If they if they if they guess right, and they say, "Well, I'm going right," and they slant left, and he's like, "Oh, we just passing passing it off," and they're gonna end up on your you know, your linebacker will end up on a dang 300 pound guy, and your safety your safety ends up on a guard. You know, um, and if they get, and if you go the other way, if they slant the other way where you're going, they just mush you and it makes it soft on the, it makes that back area where you can bend back and all that stuff. It makes it a real soft where guys, the running backs can kind of play with it, play with it, and then they pop out on you, especially for a guy as short as Deuce was. I mean, he, I mean, you probably wouldn't see him until he's right up on you. That's like trying to tackle Sproles and Sproles. Or Griffin. Griffin. Yeah. I mean, by the time you see him, he's right on the, on top of your dang linebacker, and you're like, "Holy crap! Where did he come from?" Right. So he hides behind those guys. So, you know, we watched. I, I watched this game, and I, I've seen those things happen. And they move guys. They go left. They go right. And it's just kind of a, a weird, strange thing. And like we said, you'll win sometimes, but as games go on, safeties end up in the box having to make tackles. Guys have to be around and make and flow. And play the piano, which we, which Coach Venables would always say, you got to be able to play the piano. Well, here they got to be Mozart playing the piano because guys moving left, and then you got to come either flow right because the running back flows right. But if the front running back stays front side, you got to play the piano to the uh, side the running back's going. It's kind of like, bro, you you if you mess or you miss or guess wrong or miss a key, that guy's going through that little gap that he's looking for. Right. It's uh, it's definitely been a kind of a work in progress, and to see them kind of dissipate the way that they did. Uh, fall apart the way that in the second half was interesting. And, and really a lot of that you feel like is one, they got tired and two, the scheme, uh, you got to give coach Kleiman a lot of credit. You know, you feel like he had Alex, Alex Grinch kind of against the wall a little bit in that third and fourth quarter. His number. He had him. I mean, right. He was a step ahead of him the entire time. Let me ask you this. Cause there's a lot of people asking me this question on Twitter and I don't understand it uh, as an offensive lineman, because it just seems like a, like a, like a must-do, right? Like, why would Skylar Thompson be able to run? Was it three quarterback sneak touchdowns or just two? I don't know. I think it was three. Yeah. It's like, so explain to me how you, as a defensive front, you're going to line up on the one-yard line. The kid is under center, and you don't have a nose guard. I don't know. I, I, that is kind of – they're slanting into the center, but by the time those guys get off the ball, the center, then they didn't crash down, and the guys are – 
crashing down on him. So he's just riding the back of the center. Absolutely. I mean, that's all he's doing. I mean, the guards are crashing down on you, so you're not going to be able to hit that hit it hard enough to push the center back. You're going to be on the edge of the center anyway. Right. Which I don't really get. I mean, at least have a guy directly into the A. I mean, or and you have him a heavy you have him a heavy heavier on the center anyway. If, yeah, like if you wanted to go two A gap players, fine. But somebody has that. to be a little bit thicker on that center yeah. to push him to You got to have a shoulder pad on that center's helmet. You want to stand him up. Right, agreed. And what was what what made like whenever like even to sound like an old you know an old person you know when I played Dusty would push a guy back I mean oh, if it was one yard I mean he is not he's gonna be a little bit heavier on the head up almost a head up on that center and he's pushing that guy back and we gonna fill the a gap absolutely we're gonna fill the a and the b gap yeah because one that guard's gonna try to block down on him also so he's pushing that guy back the guard's trying to get him moved out of there and once he comes in that area the mike linebacker fits in the b right the a gap the same thing once that guy gets space and moved back and stood up well, the wheel linebacker is going to fit in that A as well. So it's an easy hit, right? And Because he, he can't just leave Tommy right here by himself because right. that guy's coming off the ball. So that A gap ends up being a little bit up, and that quarterback has to bubble to either left or right. That guy just went straight ahead. You know, there's, there's something to be said about the guys that you played with in college and, and the guys that are on my football team in, in college. Uh, Kevin Williams was a top 13 pick in the first round. Tommy Harris, I think, was a number one pick or a number – he's a top five pick. He's a top five pick. In, uh, in one year. But both those incredible three technique – or Tommy was a four-eye type of guy um, – were great football players. But what made them excellent really was the traditional nose guards that they played with. Mm-hmm. Right? You had to double-team uh, Dusty. You had to. You had to. And the Waylon Brown was stiff and slow, but he was going to break your arms if you left him one-on-one – with somebody and it allowed Kevin to just be great on his own. Right. Um, I I'm, I'm interested, you know, today's game and you coach high school football, you know, this, every kid that plays in three technique or nose guard thinks they're going to be the next great pass rusher like Aaron Donald. The reality is we don't have enough kids that play the positions technically sound, right. We don't have enough kids that, uh, are, are playing the uh, position, um, you know, in a way that, uh, is by the book. And if they were, you would get less situations like we had with Alex Grinch's guys in that goal line. Like you got to play. I mean, I, I don't know right. why he would even put them in that situation. So, I mean, the thing, and like, like I said, I coach high school football, so I wouldn't have the, I mean, I have the some of the knowledge that a Alex Grinch would have and some other guys have, but when we try sit down and talking to kids and trying to teach them the position, we have a kid that's very talented at the defense. I mean, he's fast, quick off the ball, big kid, but he hasn't put in the work to become a student of the game and learning the different blocking schemes of what's coming. If a, if a guard goes away, look down. If the center is coming your way, well, then – you may want to – you can cross-face or know where the play is going and not just run straight up the field like a goof troop all the time. Right. And he's he he thinks he can win everything with his God-given ability, with his, just his talent and getting off the ball and being fast. I said, by the end of the game, you're going to be – one, you're going to be tired, and two, the center will capture you real easy. And now they got it on film. He'll just meet you at a point. Back there, he won't snap the ball and come straight flat. He'll snap the ball and go at an angle backwards, and he'll just push you away from the play. So that's learning the skill of playing defensive tackle, learning how to, one, when a guy, when you come off the ball, you give him a speed rush one time, the next time you give him a power move. Right, absolutely. But he doesn't – Got to mix it up. All he knows is speed rush. Absolutely. So you look at OU right now, all he knows is slant left, slant right, slant left, slant right, slant left, slant right. 
and like they're doing some weird stuff on the interior where sometimes they it's almost like they're taking up both A's to make the ball go out. Right. Yeah, there, there's you know, there's something to be said about football just you know, getting up and just playing, playing the game the way it's, you know, you can get too cute and too creative. And I think they borderline on that defensively uh, a lot. And I think they're trying to figure it out. And, and you know, obviously. Yeah, OSU does that stuff too. They stand everybody up, move oh, them yeah. side to side. I'm and, like, and look, I get that. I do. I get that throwing that in there every once in a while because it does make your harder in your offensive line, especially when Humphreys goes out in this game. You love Kansas State's approach to this immediately. The defense, <laughs> they're all standing up. They're showing a max blitz. And, you know, they, they did their best to, uh, to kind of make it a little difficult on the backup, and that's that's what you should do. But you, you feel like for Oklahoma, with the players that they've been recruiting and, and as talented as they are, every once in a while just playing defense, right, not right. being gimmicky would be enough here. I would say last year's team probably needed a little more uh, gimmick than this year's team would because this year's team from a base talent level is probably a little bit better than last year's team. Granted, there is no Kenneth Murray and, you know, and, and Neville Gallimore in this group. But, but I thought last year's team – defensively was more to where you can figure out if we can whoop somebody. Agreed. Because Neville Neville was a guy that would demand a double team. Or you can put him out there in the three technique and bring another guy in and take care of the center and let Neville be Neville. You could I figured you could have moved Neville from inside to out in, to from three to one, three to one, and you could like never let anybody kind of get a beat on where he's at until they you know until they line up or whatever. Right. And you had you had guys on the outside. Ronnie Perkins was a was an absolute stud where he was at and the way he was playing. And so you have situations where you look at the game and you're like, they could stand up toe to toe with somebody and actually get in a fist fight, but they're programmed to kind of Floyd Mayweather box, right? Like you pop, rope it up, right? Yeah, pop shot. I'm a pop shot. You boom, pop shot, move, right. pop shot, a lot of, move. A lot of jabs, right? Yeah, a lot of jabs. Not trying to knock you out, but I'm a I'm a pop shot you the whole entire game. Instead, of, you know what? I'm gonna get in a George Foreman Muhammad Ali fight and just straight right. slug it out. You know, um, I I also think that is a that's a difference in the era that you and I played in. One because we had no choice but to play that way, right? And two, you know, from a personnel standpoint, I think they're still probably a year away. From being able to just line up and say we're better than you. Well, who who's coming? That's gonna save. That's gonna be that guy on the defensive line that would say, "Well, now we can slug it out with somebody." Right. I mean, you would hope that Perkins is gonna add a little something, having his presence on the outside and having to focus on a defensive end. Right now, they don't have to. And if I was evaluating the Oklahoma defensive front, to saying, you know, who are the gold nutted studs? you'd have to start in the middle of that group. And that's always easier. When your best player in the defensive line is a, is a three technique or nose guard, way easier to deal with than your best player being on the edge. On the edge, you know? yeah. And, and so Perkins getting back, I think, will help that group out just a little bit. But it's, it is going to be a work in progress this year, and they're going to have to just, you know, to, to just figure out the best way to play the simplest defense that they can. And but if you they need can two do that, guys. You, you need, need two, two guys. You need two guys on the defensive line. You need an edge rusher and you need a middle guy. Yeah, I think they have a couple of middle dudes. They just got to get Perkins back in the mix. And I think it'll change the look of that defense quite a bit. Right, it will. Um, I think Isaiah Thomas showed some promise and stuff, but also, I mean, you, you look at it as well with, with Benito on the outside. I like him a lot too. I like Benito, but I mean – he has to get some better pass rushing moves. Agreed. Well, because he's not even – I mean, he, he from a physical standpoint, there's nothing about that kid that's intimidating. No. Size, he's a football player, but yeah. I wouldn't even say that his speed is just mind-blowing. No. Uh, you know, I, there's he, he definitely needs a little help. Grinch needs a little help, and I think it starts with getting Perkins 
uh, back in the mix. All right, before we move to Oklahoma State, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the keys to the game this weekend. I had a beat writer on my radio show this week that said Iowa State is built to beat teams like Oklahoma, and I I found that to be such a profound statement from this guy after you know such a rocky start from the Cyclones. But when you think about it, you know this is a team that really kind of pioneered that three man front. And this league, they've got linebackers that to fly around the football field that are talented. They're not going to be scared to cover guys in space uh, in the passing game, and they're they're going to show up better than what they have been the last two weeks. You know, Coach Campbell is a very good football coach. He yeah. is. Um, thoughts on you know what needs to improve to make you feel like uh, this weekend's game should go as scheduled with Oklahoma winning and winning by double digits. Hmm, what has to improve? Uh, I think. Running back wise, I mean, either you're gonna try some Marcus Major in there and let him because it's gonna be a physical game, um, and and see if he can get some snaps and get going. Um, but I think run wise, you have to be able to be balanced. And I think in this game here, they got off off rhythm. They they didn't stay on rhythm. They wasn't balanced as a team. They didn't keep the other team off kilter. They kind of knew when you were passing the ball, you was in obvious passing situation. So. Uh, I think this offense is really, really good is whenever they're not in um, predetermined positions where, you know what, they got to pass they got to pass the ball right here. Or Spencer Rattler's going to – the ball's going to be in – and they're dropping everybody in different windows, and he has to pretty much hold the ball. Um, pass blocking-wise, I think they were fine in the game. They, I mean, playing football, you ain't going to be able to stay. I think he had a lot of time where he was stood in the pocket for 1-1,000, 1-1,000, 3 and then he had to move. Right. I mean, I mean, people are talking about, well, he had our, our quarterback was moving all the time. I mean, by design, they put him on some run, on some moving the pocket plays, and by design, he a, a few times he stood up in the pocket and held the ball for a long time, and, and then he had to get up in the pocket and move around and manipulate the pocket. That's normal. Right. Um, but the receiver is going to have to start getting open a little bit faster also. So you, you kind of look at that. It took a little while for, for, for Stoops to get open on, one, on a few of them. Then they had a few times where they guarded everybody and Stogner gets pushed out of bounds. He right. got to be able to fight to stay in bounds a little bit more. Um, but Mims is going to be a, is a, is a player. And Theo Weiss, I think those two guys um, are, are going to be your big play guys. I mean, Weiss is going to be a possession guy, but Mims is a big play waiting Agreed. to happen. He is talented. He is special. You know, leave it up to a couple of football guys to talk about, to break down a game and not talk about the quarterback, but I think that just shows you, you know, where we think Spencer Rattler is. You know, does he need to make better decisions in some cases? Yeah, but that first pick was uh, was not his fault, one. The second pick was a bad ball, and I don't know that I've seen him throw a bad ball until that bad ball and then the third one was, you know, him pressing a little bit. You know, as far as a young quarterback is concerned, uh, Rufus, he's got all the talent, the skill, and the necessary ability to be the next great Oklahoma quarterback. And, you know, now it's it's us evaluating him. But Lincoln Riley has to manage him better, too. I, I agree. He I, managed him poorly in this game. I agree. I, I don't think that, you know, when that kid wants to run, you need to let him run. And I, I don't mean by, like, actually physically running as far as if he wants to throw the ball down the field, let's throw the ball down the field. Every once in a while, you have to just trust that your offensive line is going to do the job. And, and you know, let's let's see if he can make some of those big plays because that's what he's looking to do a lot of the time. And maybe he should just take what they're giving him because you mentioned this. You know, they were doing a good job keeping it uh, – Keeping things contained, two high safeties, a lot of balls that are mid-range balls. He's a deep ball thrower, and I'm sure that was frustrating for him at times, which made him press just a little bit down the stretch. But that kid is the real deal, and they just need to find a way to make him comfortable there and hopefully you know, watch those leadership skills develop. You know, That was the one thing that was missing 
um, in, in the fourth quarter against Kansas State, Rufus says no longer are we looking at Baker or Kyler or Jalen, right? Those three are proven leaders. Those three were, um, you know, Heisman Trophy winners. Those three were, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to go down in history as a top 25 football player all time. Crazy, not, isn't it? Maybe not quarterback, but football, football player, player all yeah. time. And so, you know, to look at Spencer Rattler for the OU fan base and even for us as media members and former players, you know, you don't want to say it's underwhelming because you know what he's he could be. But right now he's not those guys. And I think they need to no. focus on making sure that he's comfortable scheme wise, offensive line wise, run game wise. And if you build it around him, the, the guys, I think he will step up and obviously be the quarterback you need him to be. Right. I mean, he commands the huddle fine. I mean, as it, for a young guy, he, he commands the huddle. He talks he talks well. He he goes and he makes the plays and stuff. But it's going to be a guy like Hump, Creed's going to be your guy that's going to lead the team, that's going to be able to get him down. And, and it's like, hey, guys, let's go. Let's get it together and stuff. But right. And as the year go on, you will also see Spencer as well get take a hold to that because he's the quarterback and he's going to be the guy that's doing a lot of the communicating also. So he'll learn and he'll develop those things because learning it from the sideline and learning it within when the action of doing the game, because it was different. I could say, well, I can be a leader. I can call the calls. I can call them in practice all day long. And then I'm sitting there watching Lance Mitchell and Teddy do it. And then I get in the game with Lance Mitchell and he calls in the lefts and the rights and the game's coming and it's chaos. All of it happening fast in front of you, your first time on the field it's a little different now. And then as I got, as I got, the year went on, I, I started making the calls, started making the checks because I got comfortable. I started, Absolutely. the whole field opened up for me. So as the year go on, he will get better and better and better. And he will do a better job of communicating to his wide receivers, communicating to the coach, communicating what's going on, because then he'll see more of the field. I think right now in this game against K-State, as it got tighter, the vision of the field got a little shrunk down a little bit because he got tunnel vision because of all that was going on. Whenever it was up, whenever you're up and you're rah-rah and all is all good, everything's going great, you can see everything. But whenever the whenever the shit hits the fan, absolutely, like you, you kind of get tunnel vision as far as where you're going and what you're doing and you, 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 you double clutch on a throw that you earlier you'll just let rip and give it a shot. Now you're trying to make the perfect play and I don't want to make a mistake. Oh, I'm gonna throw it now, and that's how you throw the ball high. That's going to to uh, Drake Stoops because you you kind of second guessing yourself because you get a little tense, you get a little tight. He's a young kid. Let me last thing before we move on to Oklahoma State quickly. One of the things that you experienced as a college football player that I never will experience, and we had a ton of success at Oklahoma State in my day, is I will never know what it feels like to be in a huddle and in a game that we are not supposed to lose, right? Like Oklahoma's, the, the football program, they, they don't lose. And and so to be in a situation where the game is slipping away, there's an added pressure. Yeah, There is because you don't lose. And so now when you're in that huddle, offensively or defensively, and you're looking around at your teammates, especially when they're young players, you could see it on in their eyes. And I, I cannot stress to people enough, like, oh, you fans are irate. They're mad and linking this and linking that, and that quarterback's no good and all those things. Like, that that's what I'm talking about right there. These kids feel that. Those coaches feel that. And, and I'm not saying that it's wrong by any means. What I'm getting at is at the University of Oklahoma and at Clemson and at Alabama and at Ohio State. Standards, baby. Yes. they're through, and, and those standards are absolutely felt. And as games start to slip, and I've been in huddles like this when you just feel it, you know it's getting away. And it was actually, for me, it was against Texas every single time. You just know something needs to be done or something needs to be said or somebody needs to calm down. 
and they just didn't have that calming force this game. And and not not to say they won't have it five games from now, but what you saw, that deterioration of that football team, mistakes being made, the false starts, the holding penalties, that was a collapse on those players. And I think a lot of that has to do with just being the pressure, having the pressure of being a Sooner. As a, as a player, I've, I've been a part of a few of them, but one of the ones that was most glaring was whenever Mike Stoops left to take the Arizona job and we were playing K-State and nobody could, like, calm the other person down to kind of just settle into the game. And that's, I mean, us giving up a pl- that year, us giving up a big play to start the drive, like the first the first drive was common. We we did we made mistakes in the front in the front end of, of plays. I mean, and against LSU, that's how they got a to a big start. We gave up a big play, but for wa- watching those guys who are usually even kiltered at the end of the like, uh, you give up a big play, you come to the sideline, they get it fixed, they're back out on the field. That game, I saw blank stares. I mean, guys were just kind of like, man, what the F, man? What's going on? I mean, you, you just you just saw it. It just right. kept on, and it kept on going downhill, and it just, just kept on snowballing. We played When we played against Boise State, my last game, I remember you kind of felt the whole shock of everything, and I'm sitting there like, bro, my senior year, we about to get blown out by damn Boise State. Right. So, you know, you get to the sideline, bro, and I absolutely lose it and go off. You know, I'm like – we going to get this, blah, 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 blah. One drive, one play at a time. We're going to get this, these guys. And, you know, we just kind of went on a little roll. Um, defensively, we got a turnover, got the ball back to the offense, and they were starting to get get their footing and stuff. And so we settled in, but it took somebody, like it took me saying and calming everything down and saying, bro, we all right, we all right, we good. We're good. It's early in the game. We can still come back in and we good. You know, we're going to get a turnover here and there. And all those things kind of came as we settled into the game. But it's going to take somebody to be able to settle the team down and instill confidence in them in certain situations. And right now, it has to be your star players that got to have that kind of confidence, right? When your quarterback has to get the thing where he says, you know what? We got this. We're all right. Calm down. We're going to get this play. And then he wills his team to get a play. That's what Jalen Hurts did so well. I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of Jalen Hurts passing the ball and all that stuff, but what Jalen Hurts did as a player, he willed his team. Whenever it was all in chaos, he willed his team and got a first down, got the touchdown when he needed it. He always had that ability to make you seem like you're still in it and they believed in you as a player. And right now they're missing those things in certain spots. And I mean, as the year going, they'll develop it. We had to do that. The year before, whenever we played in the Holiday Bowl, we lost to TCU. First home game, we lost to TCU. We had a barn burner with them. Was it Tulsa? Then we had another, like, just head scratcher against UAB that year. And then, you know, we got our ass really dumped, beat, beat by Texas that year also. Uh, and then we just kind of started catching our footing and stuff. And the guys started selling into their positions because we lost a lot. Right. I mean, you lose Dan Cody. You lose um, a lot of guys in that de- defensive front. You lose a lot of guys in the offensive side of the ball. So you're just kind of like, holy crap. And everybody's learning to be who they are and get comfortable in their own skin in a new offense and a new scheme and a new design of everything. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a work in progress. It's a long game. And, and once again, as we started this segment about Oklahoma – yeah, you know, we were talking about COVID and, and preparation and the things that have changed uh, this season. I think Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma have been 
pretty masterful the way they've handled all these situations, and I think we'll continue to do so. I think it's going to be a slow, steady grind throughout the season. I, I got a question. So if Alabama gets somebody with COVID, does Nick sit out a starting quarterback, or does Nick not even report it and just roll with it? No, I think Nick sits out the starting <laughs> quarterback. I do, right? Because I think a lot of these dudes are – I mean, you're, it's un, like the unprecedented, right? And well, I think th- that we don't – So you're saying Nick's going to sit him out? I do because I don't think that the universities quite know what the ramifications are of somebody – Getting it and dying. dying. You know what I mean? Like you just, Alabama's not going to risk their legacy history. Oklahoma's not going to do it either. Ohio State, you know what I mean? Now, I'm more concerned about it's those mid-range teams. It's Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. That dude's a damn fool. You know what I mean? Who knows what he's going to do if that was to Is Lane Kiffin going to win five games, get to game number six, and it be Alabama, just an example, Yeah, and then pull his starting quarterback? Hell Hell no. no. He's coming out, and he's giving it all he got. So what you're describing is going to happen in college football this year. It is. But what if the kid doesn't die? Does he say, well, now screw it. The rest of the kids that you get COVID, you were playing. I think the deeper that we get into the season, the less this is even a conversation to worry about because everybody's going to get it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the corruption in college football, you, when you hear what's happening in UCLA and what's happened in Florida state, I mean, there's a bunch of coaches that don't deserve to be called coaches. Uh, just the reality to it. But I, that's funny that you said that Saban wasn't my first choice, but there's some dude out there that's going to, uh, it's going to screw this up. I don't know, man. Saban's like my first, first choice. <laughs> <laughs> he is all team. He, he is all, all team, all football, yeah. all day, every day. But I think guys that want to beat Saban really bad, like Kiffin, He'll be second on my list for sure. Agreed. Agreed. Dabo's right. going to be the one to say, nah, you know what? Trevor Lawrence got it. You're going to sit out, Trevor. Nah, don't worry about it. It's just a game. That's Dabo. Absolutely. It, 100%. And just, just kind of talking to Dabo Sweeney in press conferences, like you get that vibe from him. Like yeah. that's, a who he would, that's what, exactly what he would do. How you do – so you have Alabama that don't have their starting quarterback or something like that. They get COVID. They lose. How do you change the perspective of college football? If a few teams have a situation like that, you don't have your – like K-State didn't have their whole entire secondary. Right. And they lose a game. Do you – how do you – how do you – how do you put that team in the playoffs and how do you not let them be in the playoffs if another team goes undefeated? Yeah, I think that you have to just kind of chalk it up to COVID and, and say, you know, a loss is a loss is a loss no matter how you did it. That's the only way to really kind of be fair – in this situation, right? I mean, you just have to call it what it is. Everybody is dealing with it. Everybody has had practices that were screwed up. Everybody's been impacted by this in some way, shape, or form. So you harsh, man. I I just don't know how to do it because you add the human factor, right? You're you're a cruel dude, man. (laughs) Your loss is a loss. I mean, (laughs) my whole secondary didn't play. Agreed. Agreed. How do I not go to the playoffs? Cause my secondary didn't play. What if my whole offensive line gets it? How do you do with a second string offensive line? It sucks. It really oh my does. Gosh. It sucks, but it's just a part Ooh. of it. You know, there's a lot of tragedies uh, that have happened due to COVID in the sports world, like sports tragedies, not real tragedies, but sports tragedies are, you know, Maggie Nichols not being able to finish her senior season and uh, high school kids not being able to compete their final year in their spring sports. Like those things have happened. It's Everybody's kind up, of a, yeah. but you know, it is, it is what it is. It's living with COVID-19. It's living in the age of the pandemic and it just kind of sucks. But I, this conversation that we're having is going to be rampant here in five or six weeks a lot of people talking about well how do you evaluate when they had all these missing things or all these missing things and it's going to add to the spectacle that is college football you know it, it just is let me let me get a score from you real quick before we move on to the pokes real quick uh iowa state oklahoma uh what i said 42 to 35 42 35 sooners everybody's pissed off at the defense again 
<laughs> All right, let's uh, take a real quick look at Oklahoma State. They head to Manhattan or to Lawrence, Kansas this weekend to take on Les Miles. Oh, my cakewalk, baby. It is. It is. Um, I, I don't, you know, Mike Gundy has been good over the years at damage control. And I think if you saw anything from week one to week two, he found a way from a schematic standpoint to kind of hide that offensive line a little bit. I, I don't know that they're going to be able to do that the entire season, but um, yeah, without having your starting quarterback, you're playing a true freshman and, and uh, uh, what is that kid's name? Illingsworth. I mean, it's uh you not know your guys. Look, man, I don't cover Oklahoma state and all they do is stress me out, but it is a, uh, I'm a huge fan of, I know you, I, you know I'm a huge fan of Gundy. I know you are. I'm a huge fan of Gundy. Yeah, I'm I'm not the biggest Gundy fan, but it is a it's a you know it's obviously an opportunity for them to win. But oh. thoughts just to, to start the season, you know, where do you think this team is is headed? I mean, Tyler Wallace, Chuba all Gundy Hubbard. does is win. That's okay, what he does. I'm not even doing this with you. <laughs> no, so, no, um, you know, Tyler Wallace is kind of coming into his own as as far as getting better of coming off the ACL injury, you right? Know? So he he's having his he has his times where he's kind of quiet in games, and then he kind of steps up and make a big play. So his his flashy plays is is up and down. It's a little sporadic as far as how they get the ball to him. Just because you know, I think you come off an ACL injury. That's tough, man. I mean, uh, you, you're not as explosive sometimes, and sometimes in the game you feel it and you're explosive again. You know, so it kind of comes and goes. So. That's one of those things where I think as the year go on, he'll become more and more dominant. He'll become more and more comfortable with his knee. Um, he'll get better. Um, Quarterback-wise, um, I mean, for what Gundy has done with uh, a backup quarterback, what is it, backup third string, whatever, yeah, whichever well, one you I mean, want. He's a true freshman, yeah. Whichever one you want. He's done a great job being able to manage and win a game. Uh, you know, you got thrown curveballs against Tulsa. Tulsa came into the game, had nothing to lose, and they threw caution to the wind. They jammed the hell out of Tylen Wallace on the line and pushed him out of bounds, and they took away one of their best threats early in the game. As the game wore on now, Tylen Wallace kept working, kept working, kept working, and then God pulls ham- uh, cramps up, hurts the hamstring, and all this and that stuff. They, But Tulsa gave their best shot, and just so happened Oklahoma State was able to overcome it, and that's good. But it also showed Oklahoma State their first game that, well, we have these holes and these deficiencies, so it gave them something to work on. And they went back to the drawing board, and they worked on those things and got better right. the next week. And, and, and that's, that's all you want. That's, and then and being in COVID, those are going to be the things you have to continue to work on, and people are going to get better as the year go on. A team's going to show you mistakes and be like, oh, damn. You know, we would have corrected that thing if we had a full, uh, full spring and then we had a summer and everybody would understand what, we, what I want here and this and that. Then it would have been a little bit different, but now you're going to have a gradual learning each week. And what mistakes pop up, teams are corrected. You'll see the teams that can do a heck of a job coaching, and the teams that's, that's going to suck. And I think Gundy has done an excellent job coaching, and he's always done a good job coaching. I mean, he's had bad games here and there, but he's done a great timeout. What happens next is a pretty heated debate between Rupus and I about Mike Gundy's summer and the political and social climate here in the U.S. Since I know for some of you, sports is a getaway, I decided to save the next 30 minutes for our podcast at a later date. Thank you all so much for listening to the Sam Mays Podcast. The Sam Mays Podcast is a production of P-Squared Media.